All right, our fan favorite. Mm. Someone people really look forward to listening to. And uh, I, there, I can't think of it now. I've realized there's a character on a show. Oh shoot, I th- should have thought about this beforehand. And I'm like, who does that remind me of? And it's you. Oh shoot, I'll think of it throughout this. I'm always like, you know when you watch somebody on TV and you're like, I know that person? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always thinking it's you. I was, it some, was it someone who I would be offended to be associated with? Because in, in middle school and high school, they said I looked like, hey, Arnold. No, it's not like even, it's more, honestly, it's more your voice and the way you talk than how you look. That's why I'm blanking right now. But I'm always like, how do I know this? Almost every time, because I don't watch it regularly, but every time I'm like, how do I know this guy? Then I'm always like, oh, yeah. He reminds me of Dr. Sean. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. So anyway, Dr. Sean is back. Obviously, great time to have you on as the world is, you know, going through this pandemic and, and you are a doctor. So I'm always Not that you know, kind of doctor. Yeah, but you're a smart guy. You're a smart yeah, guy. But I don't want people to think for a second that we're talking about what, what coronavirus is, how it spreads or what to do. I have no idea. No idea. Well, are you social distancing? Yeah. So... You're dealing with the same stuff in, you know, New York that we're dealing with here in Colorado and everyone. That's one of the most unique things about this, right? Is we're all dealing with the same thing. Yes. It, it's, I was doing, oh, I, I love like a group call, which you're doing a lot of. And it was like, as I was leading this call, I'm like, wow, there's people literally all over the country, maybe even world. And we all know exactly what the other person is going through. Yeah, when you follow social media accounts that are like based in England and they're talking about quarantine day 78, you're like, wow, okay. It's, it's, it's relevant in both places. Well, let's give a little backstory right now. You've been on the show multiple times. You are one of my favorite people to talk to. And I've explained that to others. The thing I love most about Sean is whether we agree or disagree, it's always a conversation. Mm-hmm. I think that is a lost art in this current world, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But- I had JP on not too long ago and he went on his rant as I called it. And then you reached out and you were like, Hey, I'd love to come on your platform and and talk a little bit about this. So, so let me give you a little bit of an open mic for a minute. Tell me what you wanted to talk about. Well, I wanted, I wanted to come on because I want to help people. I want to help people understand how to sift through the bullshit And I want to come on and help people understand how to create the calm that they need when everything is so stressful. And I want to tell people the truth that other people are unwilling to tell them. And that's why I wanted to come on because I think that, you know, the CrossFit industry in particular is at risk during this time because of things that I've discussed with you in the past, the low barrier to entry to get into it. And what that means is that a lot of people who are in the CrossFit industry, who own gyms, who are coaching in gyms right now, don't have a robust business background. And so they're faced with the biggest challenge, maybe in their careers. And they're being advised by other people who don't have any experience going through things like this. And so there's a lot of, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And it's like when gym owners set their price based on what the gym down the block costs without asking the gym owner down the block if they're making any money. So what's the biggest problem, obviously, aside from the illness and deaths, but in the fitness world, specifically 
the boutique gyms because you don't only help CrossFits. But what, what what's the biggest problem? What's the biggest problem going on? What's the biggest piece of misinformation? It's okay. I want to first make sure that everybody knows because I, I listened to the way I said what I said that I don't know anything more about pandemics or national economic shutdowns than anybody else does. Right? Your guest JP who was on, I'm one of the people who he called who gave him the free consult, if you will. And we've talked multiple times. And the first thing I told him was, dude, I don't know if I can help you with this because I've never lived through a global pandemic and a national shutdown and tried to get 3,000 members online at the same time. So I don't have the magic formula or bullet to help you do it. Well, I think that's when I say earlier that you and I can butt heads, I think one thing I've learned to appreciate a lot in other human beings is those that are willing to say, I don't know. Who does that right now? Well, I just point being, you do that. A lot of people will, and social media is the worst for this. Like there's so many experts out there. There's so many Mm -hmm. people pumping out nonsense and motivational speeches and whatnot, where, where more people just need to be like, I don't know, like you're saying. It's, it's, I don't know, but we're going to figure it out together. And what works for the gym that has 120 members in Virginia does not work for the gym that has 450 members in Virginia. It doesn't work for the gym that has a different culture with the same number of members in the same city, in the same state. So when, when people are trying to follow a roadmap that is going to work for everybody, I think that they're making a mistake. And when people tell business owners that they have the solution, that they've cracked the code, that they can fix the problem, that they can help you get your business saved in no time, they're full of shit. They're full of shit. And what I want gym owners to know is I want them first and foremost to forgive themselves for feeling like they're supposed to know what to do right now. And for feeling like, they're supposed to have had cash on hand for a time like this and for feeling like they don't know, you know, if their members are liking Zoom classes and they're not enjoying the process and to feel like they're under providing because they don't do individual program design or nutrition coaching. I want to let those gym owners and those coaches know that they need to forgive themselves for feeling that way. The only reason they feel that way is because other people are telling them that they should. That's not cool. That's bullying. I hate that. So that's what I wanted to be able to come on and talk to you about is how they can forgive themselves for that, how they can move forward and what they can start thinking about so that they're not making emotional decisions that are happening at the, you know, like a reflex, but that they're actually thinking about things before they do them because they understand that this isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Even when this ends, what's it going to be like when you open your gym back up? Is everyone just going to come flooding back in? Are you going to take people's temperature? What are you going to do for the members who don't want to come back in yet because they're still a little bit spooked? Are you still going to offer your digital things? And these are things that I don't think that gym owners are thinking about because all anybody is telling them right now is, I have the solution for you. I'm going to save your business today. And that's not true. Can I ask you a question though? You 
when you hopped on this call, you noticed that I, my hair was a little bit of a mess and my face was shaved. Yes. How are you holding it together? Because you look very well-groomed. Who's doing your hair? A lot of smoke and mirrors. I haven't gotten my hair cut in like a month. And I usually get my hair cut every single Thursday at 9 a.m. Every once a week? I pay for the whole year up front and I show up every Thursday at 9 a.m. That's, that seems extreme. Like your hair doesn't grow fast, faster than the average hair. No, but I'm less attractive than the average man. So I need to do more work. <laughs> your, your hair looks great. I mean, it doesn't even look overgrown on the sides, which is where it would typically be. Like it looks good. Uh, look, I appreciate that. Look, my wife told me when, when I first started making some money, I was, I was kind of like, I wasn't doing anything with it. And she's like, what's the point of making money if you don't enjoy it? I was like, I don't know. I've never made money before. Like, I'm, I'm learning like you are. She's like, what would you do if you had a million dollars in the bank right now? And I was like, I'd get it out of the bank. But uh, I would get a haircut every week and I'd probably get my car washed every week. She's like, well, you can afford to get your haircut every week. Go do it. And, so I did. And in, honestly, I would do it. For me, I hate having hair on myself. So mm -hmm. the days I get my haircut, it turned into like these three-hour excursions because I have to go home and shower. Yeah. I don't understand how people can cut their hair and then not immediately shower. I, so I'm the only person who uses the sink at my barber shop. Like after he cuts my hair, I go right over to the sink. I wash my face. I wash my neck. I bring a different t-shirt. I, I rinse to. my hair. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, what, how does nobody use this? He's like, Oh no, nobody cares. Like I'm using the sink every time. Yeah, people that are getting their hair cut with like their shirt and tie on and going back to work. I'm like, that's just uncomfortable. No. For me. Itchy city. No thanks. So, all right. So let, let, let's bring it back over to the topic at hand. You know, there's a lot of what I would dub misinformation out there or maybe good information for a short dose, but not for the long term. So, and I like what you said that, you know, and maybe you're referencing kind of like Fern talking about how, hey, his box in Virginia is going to do something very different than what's going on in New York City. Mm -hmm. what, what are some of the things that are being done well from the boxes you are helping? Like what are, if, if anyone's listening, like, hey, I can do a couple of these things that Dr. Sean is talking about. Do you feel comfortable giving out a couple of those things or just saying things you think that some of the better boxes are doing? I feel very comfortable talking to people about how I think they should think about what they should do. And it's so important it's that they- well, how they should think about it. I got you. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the tactics you're looking for. I promise. All right. The, the gyms that we work with directly our pro path gyms. We tell them exactly what we think they should do because we know exactly what they're capable of doing. I can't tell you that we've had gyms reach out to us and ask us to sign up for the pro path now so we can tell them what to do. And we've told them, no, we will take you, but we're not changing the curriculum to save your business right now. We don't have that magic bullet. So here's how we're advising people to think about their businesses. Instead of looking to do what everybody else is doing and become an overnight online programming company, ask yourself, what are the unique geniuses that my staff have? Do you have somebody on staff who is so worried about everybody right now that all they wanna do is hear from people let that person do accountability for your gym. Do you have somebody on your staff who really likes program design? Let that person do individual program design for people in the gym who want it right now. But tailor it in such a way that 
you're making it sustainable and you're making it doable. So instead of writing a totally custom program, like maybe you would in regular times, let them write six, eight different templates that can be linearly progressed based on how somebody performs to reduce the amount of time that it takes them to write the program every week. The clients in True Coach or on exercise.com or wherever they are, and they do their workout, the coach sees it, the coach acknowledges that they saw it, they ask questions, and then they pivot for the next week, progress, regress, whatever needs to be done. But don't program the conditioning. Conditioning is conditioning. Let those people work out with everybody else in the gym and keep the community vibe that happens. The hard part of writing programming isn't progressing squats. That's easy. It's making it so that they don't do the same exercise 7,000 times. So what we're advising gyms to do is look, if you're going to write program design for people, write three days of individualized program design that lasts 20 to 25 minutes a day, and then advise your members to jump into whatever you're doing for the rest of the group. Because now you're programming three days of linear progressions for however many people want it. Does somebody on your staff like nutrition coaching? Maybe they're not doing meal plans right now, but instead of giving somebody a full-blown solution, maybe they're having conversations about why they're making the food choices that they're making in the first place. What should you be ordering from right now? Like, should you be ordering from Sun Basket or should you be ordering from Butcher Box? Should you be going to the grocery store? What kind of foods can you buy right now that will sustain you in a healthy way and provide that kind of service? Maybe one of your coaches loves personal training. Let them do one or two personal training sessions with every member who wants it virtually. And let those members opt into one of those four categories at no additional cost. So coaches, you have to work harder right now and you get to keep your job. Yeah, Jim, I mean, you're, you're not really working harder per se, right? You're just... They're, they're You're working doing it hard. in a different way. Yes, but they're working harder because they're, they're not doing what comes natural to them anymore. Right. And so it's, it's the cognitive part of the work that takes the energy. You know, if, in, for example, what I do every day right now is different than what I was doing every day before this happened. It's draining because we're changing the schedule of seminars that we're having. We're taking a seminar that used to be live and putting it online and trying to make it more valuable than the live one was. It's going back and rebuilding things that take up the most energy. And this is what we're asking coaches to do. It's going to be an energy vacuum, but it's necessary. You do it right now. And then when this thing is over, you decide if you want to keep it or not. Does that make so, sense? Yeah. You know, that aspect certainly makes sense, but I guess, maybe for some of the listeners and for myself as well, how is that different than what other people are telling people to do? I know JP came on and he's like, everyone's telling you to basically abandon ship. And and he, yeah. So what he was describing, I believe, because I didn't talk to him about that was, um, there's one company in particular that's telling gyms, now is the time to pull the force majeure card in your lease. Opt out of your lease and make your gym an online business. Oh, I'm not even, I haven't didn't even realize yeah. it was that extreme. So, I thought maybe some people are pushing towards, hey, do this now, but 
no. have your gym ready to go. They're saying completely abandon ship. Yes. And what they're saying is by abandoning ship, you're going to cut out your lease. You're going to cut out your utilities, your cleaning, all of your equipment, all of the things that really cost you money. And your members. And, <laughs> but they're, they're assuming you're going to keep your members. Right. Which means that when this ends, all of your members who used to love coming to the gym and working out with each other will be more than happy to keep on getting body weight exercises or one kettlebell programming at home. I don't think that's realistic and neither does JP. That's what I, that's what I think he was talking about there. What, what do you think is going to happen when gyms open back up? I think that we're really going to find out a lot about a lot. And what I mean by that is the biggest problem that I see people running into is they open their doors. And like I said before, they don't have a plan for the people who still want to get service from them, but don't feel comfortable coming back to the gym yet. That's problem number one that needs to be considered right now before you open back up. What are you going to do for the 20% of your members maybe who want to be a member of your gym still, but are maybe they have a pre-existing condition and they don't want to risk it just yet. They're still spooked. That's problem number one. Problem number two is volume spikes. We talk about this all the time. I've, I believe I'm the guy in the front taking all of the punches, suggesting that constantly varied functional movements executed at high intensity every day is a giant fucking mistake. Well, that's because you don't do jujitsu. You're taking all the punches because you're sitting there practicing karate. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Um, I do jujitsu too. I'm just not very good at it. So what I'm, what I'm suggesting is that people are going to come back to the gym and day one is going to be Fran. You know, day one is going to be something brutal and it's going to keep going that way because people miss it so much. And they're going to find out just how addicted to a dangerous drug they really were. And people are going to start getting hurt. And these, think, gym, these gyms are going to find, you heard it here first. Okay. So we're going to refer on to the best hour of their day. That's it. The best hour Breaking. of their day is going to turn into the hour where they experience knee tendonitis from so many squat reps. It's going to be where they're going to find out about the low back pain that they could have found out about beforehand, but didn't listen to this show. You're going to have gym members with knee pain, low back pain, shoulder pain, strained biceps from too much pulling calf injuries from too much running. This is all going to happen when people come back to the gym if gym owners are not really smart about how they add volume to all of their programming and how they add intensity over time. That, that was kind of one of the first things I said about this when everybody kind of went home to work out. I was like, this is going to be great because it's going to remind people that they only need one workout a day, that they don't have to. I've not... I mean, I've gotten out of breath, but I, I've I'm talked about it where like my workouts have to start with something body weight because I'm not motivated to really warm up, but it's really just about maintaining health and wellness right now and using this as an opportunity to potentially just get your body feeling better, but you're right. Mm -hmm. It's all for and nothing if day one you come back and you're just right back into the thick of things. Yeah. And everyone likes to bash CrossFit because they say it's dangerous. People get rhabdo, right? And we all know that that's not true. People are not giving rhabdo in any kind of a reliable measurement at CrossFit gyms. But the people who do, they're usually not the newbies. They're usually the people who were pretty fit, got hurt, got sick, whatever it was, left the gym for two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, came back in and did 100 GHT sit-ups. 
we're setting our entire those are the people right yeah and we're setting our entire industry up for that right now so do you do you anticipate a spike in rabdo cases when when no. doors open again no um i'm i'm exaggerating I, I don't think i don't think that's unrealistic though i i mean but i don't think that rabdo is the big concern I think the big concern is going to be insidious things that people don't correlate with what they're doing. So they're not going to change what they're doing. It's going to be people who run into knee pain again, back pain again, shoulder pain again. But now what happens is those people who once had these problems in the gym, but tolerated it will realize that it's the gym that's causing it. I can't tell you how many times I talked to CrossFit gym owners and coaches and I asked them, do you think people get hurt doing CrossFit? And they're like, yeah, definitely. Do they get hurt at your gym? No. Okay. So, the problem that we have as a community, as CrossFitters, is that we claim nobody gets hurt here. Nobody gets hurt here. Nobody gets hurt here. So the rest of the world who does see the results that CrossFit gyms get, they see that people look better, get healthier, actually change their lives in CrossFit gyms. They're jealous of that. That is the reality. They are jealous of that. And they're looking for any reason to criticize CrossFit and to shove their face in the mud when they make a mistake. So when we as a community say, nobody gets hurt here, nobody gets hurt here. And then one person skins their fucking knees on a box. The coaches at the other gym that are in CrossFit, the community of people who want CrossFitters to fail, they point at it. See, I told you people get hurt there. It's proof. It's proof. They're liars. And they magnify it. All because we have, frankly, an immature business community. When I say immature, I don't mean immature people. I mean immature business acumen. They haven't been through it. And there's a lot of fear. What if, what if people think that we do get hurt? And I think that that's led by the top. Meaning CrossFit HQ. Yes. What's your opinion on their shift to the online course? They fucked it up. How <laughs> so? I offered to help. I think they fucked it up because number one, CrossFit gym owners, CrossFit coaches need to understand this. They think HQ is impervious to financial damage. Like they must be this giant juggernaut that has all of this money. And no matter what happens during coronavirus, look at all the affiliate fees that they collect. Look at all the seminars that they do. They have plenty of money. They make $2 million in one open. They could have just saved that. Shut up. They're so wrong. Cross, I think the biggest mistake that CrossFit's made this whole time is taking their time getting to an online seminar because- so They should have been doing it all along. They should have been ready with it, right? Like they have content for years. Could have been ready with it. And then number two is coming out and first of all, they waited to come out. And then when they did, it was with these emails that were like, we'll delay your payments if you need it. Well. I'm sorry to the CrossFit gym owners who are going to take this the wrong way. But the reality is if a $300 payment every month is unmanageable for you right now. Meaning your affiliate fees. Yeah. You're probably not fit to be a business. People won't like hearing that. But if, if $3,000 a year is like the make or break, this isn't, you're not in the right space. Maybe you're a great coach, but you shouldn't be running a business. I, I firmly agree with that. Yeah. I mean, especially so, when you look at it as $300 a month, like if you can't swing that, there's a 
big flaw in your in your business. Hundred percent. And Wattify just moved to we're going to hold your your payments for fourteen days. I was going to ask you about that specifically. What's your opinion on that? I don't know Wattify's risk factors. What I can tell you though is, I have to believe that Wattify did what they think is best for their business. And if that's what they think is best for their business and their business is meant to serve CrossFit businesses, then in part and parcel, whatever the fucking phrase is, they did what's best for CrossFit businesses. And here's where I'm at on it. If let's just say they have 2000 clients and I have no idea how many they have. And then we'll get back to CrossFit seminars because I want to talk about that. If they have 2000 clients and they're doing this because 500 of their clients are likely to default. That's their fear. I'm making numbers up, okay? Let's pretend that they're suggesting 500 of their gyms are at risk. What I don't think people realize is if Susie pays the gym and then the gym closes and runs away with the money, Wattify is on the immediate hook for paying Susie back plus fees. So that could be $15,000, $20,000 per month per gym that goes out that Wattify now has to pay back, if not even more. Because let's be real, there are gyms that are taking a year up front and putting it into their working capital, not putting 11 months into an escrow account and then withdrawing one month at a time. Which is setting many gyms up for failure. They're not going to realize it because it's not happening during this pandemic. But in nine months, when gyms are closing, yeah, if you're taking in a, if you're taking in a year up front, it's probably already discounted. Well, and, and the law in many states says you're only allowed to put up to one to three months in your working capital. The other nine months have to be in an escrow account. Yeah, I had to do that in New York. I remember my accountant mm-hmm. realized I was you know, doing years and he's like, whoa, 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 we need to you yeah. know, set up this whole other bank account. Yeah, so, but, but more importantly- But so, but so, but so the, what I want people to understand is the risk that Wattify faces is having to pay all of that back if, for gyms that fail. Now, ask yourself this. If 500 gyms are at risk out of 2,000, I don't know if they, they could have 500 gyms altogether. I don't I have no idea what their statistics are. But if one-fourth of their gyms are the ones that are at risk and the other three-fourths are less risk right now, which part of that equation do you think is going to be more poorly affected by the 14-day delay? The ones who are at risk. Yeah, the ones that are already at risk. So if they don't do it, those gyms, the ones who are at risk, put all of the other gyms who've done their business properly at risk. Because if they go out and Wattify ends up going out, what are these other gyms supposed to do? Who's now processing their credit cards? Who's now managing their membership if Wattify is no longer in business? Is that fair? Because you couldn't float your business for two weeks? That's not fair. What's your... You What's your rough guess on how many affiliates are going to go out of business? What percentage? I, I, would, I would be absolutely shooting in the dark on this. Have you seen, do you know of some that are? Yes. Have, they're already just done or they're, they're done. clearly head in the, wow. The, the other thing is, is this. If I had to guess, I would say one year from the date that this pandemic ends, there are 7,000 CrossFit affiliates. That's so less than fifty percent of what there currently is. That's your that uh, we can come back and you know hopefully yes, that's June my math. I'll tell you why. I'll tell yeah. you why I think that, and I think that strictly because 
I think that not all of those gyms will go out of business, but many of them will de-affiliate and they'll be off of the affiliate map. Many of them will go out of business. That's what I think. Why do you think more will de-affiliate in that time frame? Because they're disenfranchised with what HQ is doing. And I don't, I don't think it's sad because I think that people don't understand the decisions that HQ is trying to make. And I think that HQ is making mistakes in their execution, but I think that their intentions are pure. I think that their intentions are sound. And I think that it's important that HQ is healthy and vibrant and, and around. Because if not, what's, you know, what's the direction? Who's going to set it? So, so bring it back to the seminars. Yeah, so the seminars. Here's the thing. People were amped up to go to their level one, to be in the room with the red shirts and to learn how to do all of these things. And if I can give my own personal anecdotal endorsement of the seminars, it's the best run seminar in fitness outside of an active life seminar, but it's an, it's the best run seminar in fitness. You must've taken some of the things you liked from the level one and, and, Borrowed them. The, second, the second time I went to the level one, I learned more than the first time I went. And I went with a notebook and didn't write anything down about programming or movements or anything. I wrote down copious notes, and I'm not a note taker. I wrote down copious notes about what made it feel professional. What made it feel world-class? Because it does feel professional and it does feel world-class. When you're there, the, it feels as though the coaches in the red shirts have oceans of knowledge and they are 100% accessible. Like it's, it is the standard of seminars. It just is as much as I want ours to be right now, the CrossFit level one is the standard of seminars. I love it. The second, time so, I went, the second time I went, I took the test for time. I was like, let's see how fast I can finish this test. I was sub seven minutes on the test. I raised my hand. Dennis Marshall's like, I can't answer any questions. I'm like, I don't have any questions. He's like, why are you? Where do I hand this in? I'm done. And it was during, um, it was during regionals. And the Southwest regional was going on at the time. And they're like, you, you can't leave. You have to stay until everyone's done. I'm like, What? So I went into their lobby and watched Southwest regionals on the big screen TV until everyone was done with their test. But I learned so much from the way that the coaches ran the thing. So I think that people get excited about coming out and it's not about the information. It's about the interaction with the, with the world-class professionals who are delivering it. They dropped the ball because they made it go at your own pace. No interaction. No I've not seen it. Have you seen it? I've, no, I've gotten not emails. Buy. Right, the same emails you got. No, what, what, what I, I saw the advertisement from them. That's like, you know, the CrossFit level one is now a go at your own pace online seminar, blah, 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 blah. What happened to the world-class professionals who were coaching it? That's so, the value. But how can you accomplish both? Because clearly they had to make a pivot to go online. Yeah, but they didn't have to sacrifice the professionals. We just did the exact same thing two weeks ago. So- The online, the way that I would have done it in their shoes is download the online version of the seminar. Watch it beginning to end. 
download this PDF that goes with it. Have questions ready. On the date that your seminar was supposed to happen, the coaches who were supposed to be at the seminar are going to deliver the seminar via Zoom. Here's the schedule of events. They're gonna teach you this at this time to this time, this from this time to this time, this from this time to this time. And they're gonna go through all of it. And because of the way that the seminar runs, the only things that people couldn't have done would have been learned how to do a strict muscle up. Everything else that you guys do, they could have done in their house. They could have practiced air squats. They could have practiced front squats. They could have practiced all of the things. And there could have been, what are the questions that you had about this movement? And then the coaches could, on Zoom, you could break it up. So at this time, you're going to this room. You're going to Jason's room. You're going to Austin's room. You're going to Melissa's room. And you still have your small groups. And you're just watching them one at a time on the screen. Let me see you air squat. Great. What did everybody see there? Gyms are doing it. Fucking CrossFit couldn't do it? Of course they could. So it just takes a little bit of effort. So give them the stuff to look at ahead of time. Let them practice. Then let them do it with the world-class professionals in an abridged time frame. They save the cost on travel. They save the cost on hotels. They save the cost on food to the staff. They can still pay the staff and less people would opt out. And I believe people would actually opt in who previously wouldn't even go to a level one. You know who would have opted in? Fucking me. I would have bought it. I'm an example of someone who would have bought it because I want to see how the top of the top is doing it. Right, you would have done it for a different reason, but you still yeah. would have been. And I mean, hey, I would certainly coach that way. And I think we're all you know, learning to live in a Zoom world. You bring up an interesting question because I have a comment about Zoom and maybe you know this answer. I was leading a big group yesterday and I was saying to my wife, I was like, if, if we're going to use this platform to have like these gatherings, you need to be able to have private conversations like you would at a party. Is there a way to do that on Zoom to, to pull two people over to a private area? I don't know. Okay. I don't know if you, well, you implied it. <laughs> you were mentioning that, but it may be no, so, meaning, hey, so, you dial in elsewhere. But what, what, what we did for our seminar was we let everybody know ahead of time, this is the room that you're going to be at from this time to this time. Great. Please confirm that you received this link. Yes, I received this. Great. Well, if anyone from Zoom is listening, that'd be cool. Say you have 30 people, you have to look at it like, hey, I'm at this big party. I walked in, mm -hmm. but I want to talk to Dr. Sean. I can click on Dr. Sean. And now all of a sudden, the two of us can only hear one another. Yeah. But everybody can see us. That way, if they want to join our conversation, they can, if we mm -hmm. let them. Like, there's got to be a... Yeah, just, I don't you know, know if they have that or not. But if not, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're working. I, I'm still behind the conspiracy that Zoom started the coronavirus. Stock's looking good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, all right. We've, we've talked about the level one. You, you started to, and I derailed you a little bit, talk about some of the things boxes can and should be doing. So well, what I are wanna... some more... Let's use the level one as an example. If you are a coach or a gym owner who saw that the CrossFit level one is now available for you online like this, I saw somebody in the affiliate owner group who fucking complained. Oh, CrossFit sent me an email that oh, the level one is now available and I can renew for just $750. No, thanks. First of all, they discounted it. Why'd you discount it? 
So you don't agree with it. I mean, you and I were speaking before this and you actually, I think this was before we knew about it. You actually said, I bet you they're going to discount it. Yeah, because I fucking know how CrossFit works. Why? why? People like to give me shit all the time because they think that I hate on CrossFit. The reality is I want CrossFit to be great more than anybody else. Right. CrossFit is a big feeder. Without yeah. CrossFit, I mean, active life doesn't exist potentially. Without I mean, CrossFit, active life doesn't get started. Active life is going to fucking go on whether CrossFit does or not. Now, the thing is, I want CrossFit to be great. I want CrossFit to be great because I want to work with great people. And they just continue to do an average job. And what happens is this. One of my favorite movie lines is, attitude reflects leadership, Captain, from Remember the Titans. Okay. Okay. Now, if leadership says, discount to 750, make it evergreen and let everybody do it whenever they want. Why should affiliates charge full price and run classes and do one-on-one training and offer individual program design and rent out their equipment and make their staff accessible? Leadership isn't doing it. It's a dis- I understand your, your, your thought process. I, I guess what goes through my mind is it is shifting. You know, they, they are saving costs, all those costs you implied earlier. You know, just the trainers, the, the travel, the food. No, 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 no. Yeah, they're saving those costs. But here's the problem. When you look at your business in times like this, you have to look at what costs do I have that make me money? And what costs do I have that cost me money? And I would argue that the people who are the attraction, it's not the information, get that shit out of your head. It's the people, it's the accountability, it's the attention that you get from a coach. That's what we tell our coaches. And now CrossFit's like, hey, don't worry about the attention and the accountability and just, you know, do the thing. Let us know how it goes. We're making it less expensive. So it's less hard on you. That is teaching people a terrible money mindset, a terrible value set. It's a fucking mess. And then they, they won't get out of their own way. So you would have charged the same exact thing for the online course as you would have for yes showing up in person all right the week before uh or the week before our last seminar so our last seminar was thursday friday not last the 13th of march last week last week thursday friday oh you had a seminar that late yeah wow we did it online oh online yes but it was supposed to be in person everyone was supposed to fly to new york so when they fly to new york we take everybody out to dinner we take everybody out for drinks. We bring lunch in for everybody. And my staff is accessible to them from eight o'clock in the morning until about nine o'clock at night on the first day. And from eight o'clock in the morning until about five o'clock in the afternoon on the second day. And we feed them, drink them. We want to get to know them socially. Yeah, it's, so, it's like an old level one. I don't know. I never, I wasn't at the old one, but we also, they get apparel from us. They get, you know, things that make them better coaches. They get gifts. Like it's, it costs us a lot of money to give them a world-class experience when they come out. I didn't have to spend any of that money this time through. Still paid my staff. We still had the seminar. And in the week leading up to it, we sold six gyms to jump into our program without telling any of them that without us, they were going to die. And without telling any of them that this crisis is only going to get worse. Will you survive? We didn't do any of that bullshit. And six gyms bought knowing that the seminar that we were going to give them 
was not going to be the seminar that they were supposed to be buying. And of the gyms who were already in the program, one of them, one of them sent us an email suggesting that she paid for four live seminars and she wasn't getting one and she was upset about that. We responded to her the same day within the same hour. You know, hey, we're sorry that you feel this way. We're doing the best that we can. You know, would you like us to refund your money and let you out of the course? She wrote back and apologized. I was like, I just, I was having a bad moment and no, I want to be in the course and I want to attend. And, and she loved the seminar. She told us afterwards how great it was. So it's all about like over deliver. We, we had our online seminar. I don't know if you saw what we did with our online seminar, but we filmed our seminar. We've been doing it since August of last year, taking the best content from the best seminars and adding to it and making it an online version of our in-person seminar because not everybody wants to fly to come and see us. I think they should, but they don't want to. That's fine. That's their problem. You were already in the midst of doing this prior to. Yes. Um, Our plan was to start selling it in April. And our thought was, you know, our projections were we'd probably be able to generate a half a million to a million dollars worth of sales of the online seminar in April. We ended up giving it away. We gave away $1.8 million worth of it to people who will never buy it now because they don't need to. They own it forever. We destroyed our market of people who would be likely to buy it. Now we sell it for 50% off. Now, here's the thing. I promise you that delivery of that seminar is every bit as good as whatever CrossFit put together. I haven't seen CrossFit. Different material. So I don't want to pretend like we're not competing with CrossFit. for right. We just mean quality. Yes. Um, but we gave away. Like it, we gave it away. Now, if you want a back and forth with a coach for four hours on two separate days, no, you got to pay for that. CrossFit could have done that. Not give away the seminar. Right. Provide the service. People had already paid. Just offer them, look, if you'd like to opt out, you're more than welcome to. Here's how we're doing it. We'd like you to stay in. We think it's a good idea. This is actually going to be even better than our existing seminar. I, I don't. I don't disagree with you. And, and you know, like I said, I, I think that would have worked. I know for the staff of of HQ, like we're we would love to be working right now. We can't. So mm-hmm. you know, to well, be you given can. that opportunity, you can. It's just not the way you usually do. Correct. We're 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 not out of the boxes at this point. So. You know, the courses out there, you know, who knows? I mean, the beauty of all these online courses, is there's the opportunity to improve it. And maybe they will. Hey, maybe rather than active life learning from CrossFit, CrossFit's going to learn from active life. I offered to teach them for free. <laughs> well, you know, what, what's the old uh, Buddhist expression? When a student is ready, the teacher will present himself. Right. And look, I also understand that I might not have done the work yet to allow them to believe that I'm the person that they should be learning from. So I recognize my role that still needs to be created. I get that. Uh, I also don't want to work for HQ. So it's not like I have a big ambition and this is a big fucking shot in the, you know, oh, it's too bad. I couldn't do that. My point is they need to lead by doing more for the affiliates, not from a here's your money back bullshit, from a service, an over-delivery so that the affiliates can see that and be like, ah, I need to do that for my members. We have a gym locally 
who posted a workout of the day recently for their members to do from home. It included rowing. Who has a fucking rower? So you know you mean every home doesn't come with a concept too these no, days? Do better. That's fucking lazy. It's fucking lazy. That's and then, and then the next day it's like, oh remember to pay your membership dues. Fuck you. You just program rowing. What so, am I paying? Let, let's go back to the affiliates before we wrap up. What what else can they be doing well right now? So this is one of those times where affiliates have the opportunity to look at their business and ask themselves, what do they want it to be? It doesn't have to be what it was anymore. And I'm not saying anything about affiliation name, the exercises that you choose. I'm talking about the process that you use to help people get the results that you say you help people get. How can you make sure that that's true on the backside of this? Right now, stop worrying about today so much. If you haven't already figured out what you need to be doing today, it might be too late. So if you're, let me give them a few things they can do today. I feel, fuck it. Get your members paying you on a date certain. That's the first thing. If everyone is paying you on April 15th or April 25th or May 1st, whatever, prorate the memberships so that you know what your working capital is for the next 30 days. And now you can execute from a place of knowledge as opposed to every day one member quits and you don't know when the bottom is going to fall out. The other so, part of that. I like that idea, but is this truly the best time to be calling your members yes, about yes, their credit cards? Yes. Yes. Okay. Because what you're describing is the fucking planet fitness model. If they forget that they're paying, it won't be a problem. Fair enough. Yeah. So we, we claim to be above that. It's time to step up and do what we claim we do. So you're so saying, call, hey, you people paying all, all throughout April, call them up. Hey, your payment typically comes out April 15th. Yes, here's, but here's how you do it. Hey, we, we want to make sure that we're able to provide you with the best possible service through the month of May. That means we know exactly how many classes we can give, what kind of services we can offer, how we can pay our staff to do that. In order to help us do that, we're asking that everybody prorates their membership to come out on a date certain so that we can create a better month-long working capital. Here's what we're going to be adding next month to make it even more valuable than it is right now. And then you just call every member one at a time and ask them to prorate their membership. It's easier for somebody to give you a hundred bucks to add two weeks to their membership than it is for someone to make a full-blown buying decision on a whole nother month. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, so if you do that, you might lose 10, 12, 15 members right away. And you, chances are you would have lost them anyway. Exactly. And here's the thing. You lose them at once. You get punched in the face. But now you can react. Now you can actually do something from there. The weight of getting punched once is far less than the weight of one stacking on top of another, stacking on top of another, and every day, hoping that nobody quits. And that's why you just don't even want to look at your phone. Exactly. Yeah. I guarantee you there's affiliate owners right now who are like, oh, I got an email. I don't want to check it. Yeah. Like, I got, or, you know, I, I got just, an email from a member. I don't want to check. It could be a member saying you are doing such a good job. I'd like to pay the year up front and help you out, but you don't want to check it because you're afraid it's going to be a cancellation. Well, and I like this idea of where if you, if you do this pro prorated 
membership. Now we know, hey, this is what we should expect in May of 2020. Yes. And then so, going forward too. And you can you can then keep that going when the gym opens again. When someone why would you joins, change it? There'd be no yeah. reason to change it. Now what you do is for the month of May, you provide them with more value than they were already getting. And you do it for free. You don't reduce their payment. You increase the value. Normally, people have to get something that they believe is twice as valuable as it costs in order to make a buying decision. Right now, I think that's three to four times the value. A lot of people still have members paying because the value that they get is the goodwill. They feel like they're doing something nice for somebody who they like. It's not because they think your Zoom classes are great. So if you give them something that they think is valuable, that when the gym is open would actually be more expensive, you're introducing them to an elevated level of service that when they come back, you can absolutely give them another month of for free because you want to thank them for doing it and then let them know this is what it costs at the end of the month if you want to continue doing it. And people will opt into an upsell if you do a good job. Right. So where most people are telling people right now, hey, abandon ship, go this direction. Mm -hmm. You're saying basically tighten down the ship, have this other ship on standby and then bring it into your current ship and make it a bigger, better yes. ship if you're, down the road. If you just offer the best group class in the world, right now you're fucked and you know it. So how can you diversify your business? Because the reality is you were always fucked. It just took this to let you know. Yeah, I mean, and who knows? We could be seeing something like this again at any point. Yeah, and then look, the, the other thing is like, I think because of the barrier to entry, to get into CrossFit gyms. CrossFit gym owners pass down that fear of money to all of their members. And they're like, oh, I don't want to charge too much. But then they say that they give the best fitness experience in the world. And then Barry's boot camp comes and opens up down the block, charges two and a half to three times what they charge for their membership and fill their gym with people who live in the same fucking town who would have paid you, but didn't because you didn't give them something worthwhile and you didn't charge enough. Yeah, where every town's like, no, our demographic doesn't support that. But most towns have an orange theory or a Barry's boot camp. Or, Even a know. fit body boot camp is more expensive. So, so we're doing all these little things. Is there anything else you would recommend, whether it's do this or don't do that to the boxes? Yeah. Learn the value of money. And what I mean by that is get some financial literacy. That saved my life. Financial literacy saved my life. Um, I, I wasn't depressed or on the verge of killing myself or anything like that. But there was a day back in 2016 when I owned a business that was an event company, like a CrossFit event company. And the last event that I ran in that business, we had 1,100 people or 1,200 people come and work out with us at our event right on the beach in Long Beach, New York. And the event lost $26,000. We had saved $15,000, my wife and I, in our bank account. I was responsible personally for 13 of the $26,000 that we lost. And I had to walk into the kitchen and explain to her that I lost 13 of our $15,000. And that was the day that I cried to my wife, told her I didn't feel like a man because I couldn't provide. I didn't know how to make money. And I was constantly chasing my own ass. And it took me admitting that to learn how to make money and to learn that making money doesn't make you a bad person, that your members don't want you sleeping in your fucking car in front of the gym. 
They want to know that you're doing well. And once I learned the value of money, how to make it, how to grow it, how to deploy it to help other people, everything changed. So right now, you might be a gym owner who is worried about everything. And I understand that. Get yourself Rich Dad, Poor Dad and read it. Great book. Read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Get yourself listening to people who understand how money works on YouTube. Learn about it. Just spend time in it. The more uncomfortable money makes you, the more you need to spend time with it. The same way that you would tell your members, the more uncomfortable working out is, the more often you need to do it. It's the same thing. Your fear that you're having right now, the, the, the sadness, the doubt, all of the, all the negativity that's circling you, it's rooted in money. And I just had a conversation with one of our clients who might need to let go of two of her coaches because they're not in line with what she's trying to do. And she's like, well, they, you know, what if a bunch of members leave? I'm like, yeah. What if a bunch of members leave? Like, well, what do you mean? Like, what if a bunch of, what do we do? And we work through what we do, not how do we save them? What do we do if they're gone? And it's basically, hey, good news. New gym. What do you want it to be? And the, the scary thing is the money, but do the math. You might not actually lose any money if you lose half of your membership. It might go back to just being you again. And that's not so bad for a lot of people. So I think that financial literacy is the most important thing for these gym owners. There's so, well, much, so much scarcity. You're putting a lot of stock in it. Other than rich dad, poor dad, what else should they be doing? Well, that, that's just a good starting point to understand because I think it's a very well, it's a very well delivered book. I would read Blue Ocean Strategy. I know you bring great, that up every time. And every time I still think it's valuable. <laughs> um, you know, I would, I would be taking action, try things that you've never been in a position where failure is more acceptable than right now. So all of you who fear, what if I do it and it doesn't work? Everybody expects you to fail right now. Might as well try when everyone's expecting you to fail and rooting for you to succeed. Like, let this be the time. What's the worst case scenario? I mean, just so everybody knows, I still have $100,000 of debt to school. I still have a mortgage on my, I'm, I'm, I'm a half a million dollars in debt right now. And I'm not paying it off in any kind of a hurry because the interest rate on my debt is lower than the amount of money that I can make if I invest my money elsewhere. I'm not afraid of my debt. So many people are afraid of debt. They need to learn how it works. So rich dad, poor dad, listen to, like, listen to Grant Cardone on YouTube. Listen to Dan Loke on YouTube. Listen to me. Listen to the Active Life podcast. Follow the Active Life on YouTube. Like we, we talk about things that make people uncomfortable because it points out things that they don't like. You don't have to like Grant Cardone or Dan Loke. Personally, I don't. But they have valuable things to add. And take from it what you like and move on. I, I agree. I agree with all those statements. And I certainly agree with, you know, 
taking a, a hold, if you will, of your financial beliefs. It's one of those things, kind of like nutrition, where we're we're forming these values, opinions, and just thought processes behind it from such a young age. Mm-hmm. And we never really learn if that's right or wrong. It's just our beliefs for no reason. Someone made a post in the CrossFit Affiliate Owners group that was, um, it was like, how is the government going to help my gym? And it was a video. And that was the, that was the thumbnail. How is the government going to help my gym? And the post got a lot of traction underneath it. So I took a screenshot of it and posted it in our ProPath group. And I wrote, people are waiting for the government to help them. They're fucked. People, th- like, and I just listed this, 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 this. They're fucked. They're fucked. They're fucked. They're fucked. They're fucked. You're not because you're not waiting for any of these things. You're going to help you. And the government might be there and you might lean on it. Don't be too proud to take free money that Uncle Don and Steve are printing in the back room. You're going to need to make twice as much because we're about to go through inflation in the next seven to 10 years because we just borrowed $4 trillion out of thin air. But you're not, you're not counting on it. You're going to save you. Like it, 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 we, can, we can bring it full circle back to martial arts. You have a choice. Someone is beating the shit out of you right now. You are curled up in the corner and someone is beating the shit out of you. You have a choice. Continue to lean against the fence with your hands against your face and hope that the referee comes and pulls circumstances off of you. Or you can start taking action and fighting back. Why would you wait for someone to pull someone else off of you? I mean, or the true answer is you should have started jujitsu and quit karate. Long Don't do ago. Karate. <laughs> karate. But I agree with the analogy. And I mean, really what you're just saying is, you know, choose to be in charge of your own life. And that's mm-hmm. really what it comes down to for so many things. Yes. I agree with that. And stop being the victim. Like it's, it's not anyone else's fault that you're in a tough spot. I was talking to another client today and she's like, she does supply chain for major companies in Asia. Like they are emailing her, texting her, like bombarding her with questions and problems. And what do they do? And she was like, what do I do, Sean? I don't know what to tell them. I'm like, you let the ones that can't solve go out of business. You feel bad and you need to do it because the other ones that could be thriving, you're not able to help the way you're supposed to. So we set up a time block in her day. You let them all know, this is how you contact me with your problems. This is when I'm going to respond the first time during the day. Respond to those responses with whatever questions you still have. And then at this time, I'm going to respond to all of your responses. That's how I'm going to solve all of your problems right now. Help you solve them for yourself. I'm not abundantly available for everybody. I like it. If you want to hear more about Sean's beliefs and then let him help you, like he said, you can check him out. Give us all of your handles. You have like 12. They can just go to Active Life. If, if you're a gym owner or a coach, just go to Active Life Professional on Instagram. If you want to hear my own personal pontifications and beliefs, follow Dr. Sean Pastuch. All right. I, I do. I follow both because I like to see, I, to be honest, I've been doing a lot of the Active Life type workouts. I love them, especially right now. They make my body feel better. I don't get super stressed out like you're going into this crazy workout. And you mm-hmm. still feel good after. So I definitely recommend checking those out. 
on the athletes, uh, not the athletes' heart activity needs. In our low versus capacity graph, we talk about stress, diet, and sleep are key factors for how hard you should be working out. Yeah, and most likely right now you're dealing with stress. You're probably not eating great, and you're mm -hmm. probably not sleeping great. So your training have, should reflect that. I have a client who I write. I still have two clients I write program design for. And one of them was like, Sean, you know I have a full gym with the equipment in my house. I said, yeah. But on your stress diet and sleep, you reported that you're not eating the way you usually eat. You're not sleeping because you have a newborn and you're fairly stressed out because you're trying to make sure that your gym is still successful during this time. I didn't program you light workouts because I didn't think you had the equipment. I programmed you light workouts because you shouldn't be doing hard ones right now. Love it. Love it, Dr. Sean. You're always welcome to come back on and talk. This has been great. Thanks. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up. And if you have questions and you want Dr. Sean back on, hit us up or hit him up. I'm sure he'll answer on his podcast, but we seem to have you on at least once a quarter and we'd like to continue that. So especially in the, in the pandemic season. I'm on any time you want me on. Well, careful what you wish for. I would talk to you every day, All but right. thank you so much. We appreciate it. And I'm going to go actually hit one of my favorite active life workouts in my uh, extra bedroom right now. It's swings and thrusters i'm gonna hold it overhead because usually i walk you have this in your bedroom no so i'm gonna do a swing <laughs> I'd, I'd no, you're like, like i'm gonna do it i'm gonna go do my extra bedroom right now do my favorite active my bedroom. extra bedroom there's i have a kettlebell oh and it's five kettlebell swings swing. five thrusters overhead walk Got other it. side and i just like to move but it, since i can't walk because i'm in the extra bedroom I'll probably just hold it overhead for like 15 seconds in between every round. With you, I didn't know where that was going. I'm going to go do no. my favorite exercise in well, the Ross, extra bedroom. I'm like, all I right, should, well. I'm going to bring up the swing there in the bedroom <laughs> while we're at it, while I'm at it. So Perfect. on that note, thank you very much, Dr. Sean. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. And thanks again to our special guest. We appreciate all you guys do for us with best hour of their day when it comes to sharing our posts on Instagram, when it comes to subscribing to us on YouTube, when it comes to the constant feedback, we are grateful and we appreciate it. We are trying to build a community based on coaching development and becoming the best version of yourself. And it goes without saying that we couldn't do without all of you. So if you haven't already please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Season one of Dropping In is out. We are getting tremendous feedback and we'd love for you to check it out. Leave us a comment on there. Head over to our Instagram, give us a follow, like our pictures, feel free to share anything that resonates with you. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or feedback for us, please don't hesitate. Email us, day at gmail.com. Thanks again. Until the next episode, we hope you've had the best hour of your day.